Well, those of you who are just your first time here or first time in a long time here, thanks for being here today. Um, I will say this, that in a couple of weeks, uh, we're, we're in, a, in a series now that's eight weeks long. We're in week six of it. Uh, and so in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series of messages that I've uh, put a title to it anyway, God Speaks, uh, and it's going to take us into Christmas. Uh, we're going to look at the, uh, the minor prophets in the Old Testament. So you may say, minor prophets? I didn't, didn't know about any of those. Uh, so there are minor and major prophets. They were well-known ones and lesser-known ones. Is ones that be the minor, and they're the, the little books in the back of the Old Testament, the ones that you skip over to get to the New Testament, right before Matthew. Uh, we're going to look at a handful of those, uh, one a week, and so it'll be kind of history and kind of uh, some other stuff. So uh, finding out what God that God still speaks. He spoke then, and He's still speaking to us today. So I uh, really hope you can be here as we uh, build up into Christmas, uh, the Christmas. So, so we're going to be in the Old Testament for Advent. So I uh, really hope you can you can be here for that. Uh, today we are. We are looking at uh, continuing our series, Life's Healing Choices, and we are in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, verses 7 and 9 of chapter 5 of the, of the Beatitudes. Uh, but first, just kind of let you know where I'm at. Uh, we were away last week. Uh, you had a, a friend that came and spoke, uh, and I thank him for, for being here, for Bob to come. Um, we were visiting my daughter in Michigan. And so I don't, I'm not apologetic for not being here, I, uh, as much as I love you all, I'd much rather be with her. But uh, it was, <laughs> it was, and those of you who have kids who have gotten, have grown and kind of moved to wherever they are, uh, found myself, I'm usually the one, I'm the one in our family, my wife is very, she's, she's a very cold and hard-hearted person. <laughs> but I am the emotional one, so when we're leaving, going to the airport, I'm the one that kind of gets emotional about the whole thing, you know, and she's... Joe, she's, she's not teasing with me. I'm teasing, I'm, I'm teasing her a little bit. She's probably as equally as I am. But, but as we're on the, going to the airport, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of sad and, and thinking and, and really wishing, oh, man, I really hate leaving my daughter as much as I want to go home and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I told, my, told Michelle, I said, you know, it's, it's not that I feel bad. Just I wish she were still at home. You know, I wish, I wish she were still close, like not just close she were going to college in Maryland, that would be great, but, but not even that, just she were in the house still, you know, all those times that, that she were in her room with the door closed and we were down the hall, I want those times back, you know, I wish that, but I can't, you know, the best thing that we can do is, is live today, right, this day forward uh, is in a great way, so that, that's what we're determined to do and that's really where we're, that's where we're hoping to be, uh, but I'll say this, that um, that relationships are the key, and that's why today in this, this particular message in this series is about relationships, and it's all about how we interact with each other because, you know, so far we've been talking about our hurts, habits, and hang-ups as those things that we do, as actions or behaviors that you do, <laughs> or that we do, right? We, we all have them, right? That, that, uh, that are issues, right? That are your issues or my issues, and I'll be honest with you, our issues in themselves aren't the issue. Usually. I mean, that's not the, the reason our issues are a problem is because of the people in our lives. It's because our behaviors, our, our issues affect others, and that's what makes it a problem. Let me let you catch up where I'm at. So, like, if, if my issue, like some of you, is overspending, right? That is not an issue for me. It's an issue for my family because the mortgage people, they expect money, right? So, so, 
for some of you, it may be anger. You have anger issues, right? It's not an issue for you if you were out in the woods by yourself. It's only an issue because you're with us, right? And so that's why your anger is an issue. It's because of all the people around you. Your, your, your drinking problem or your drugging problem, whatever, those are, those are, if your boss didn't ex- have expectations for you, your, your, your family didn't have expectations for you, it wouldn't be a problem, right? It's the people around us that make our problems problems, right? So it's relationships that make all this happen. And, and actually, that's what, that's what life is all about, is relationships. I mean, that's, that's all of life is about how we interact together, how we, we live together, how we, we move together. So this, today's, um, today's choice, as we've called them, life's healing choices, today's choice is based on two of the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, verse 7, and verse 9. And so Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then Matthew 5, 9 follows it right up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. For they will be called children of God. Whether you're a, a peacemaker or you're merciful, both of those will, be, will reveal uh, the peace of God right, to, to others. And you maybe say, he, looks, he acts like he's distracted, and you're right, because my, my phone and that computer back there are not communicating as they're supposed to. Um, you're like, what do you mean, your phone? Yeah, so the, the slide's on the screen. I'm supposed to be able to control those, but for some reason they're not, they're not letting me as they, as they should. Uh, hey, there it is. Well, that's the scripture. So uh, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, and blessed are the uh, peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So you see, that's exactly where we're at today. These, this sixth choice founded in these two beatitudes, these two attitudes that we are to be, to, to represent, is the core of that. And it's, it's all about relationships. Matter of fact, this choice is just that, the relationship choice. I evaluate all my relationships and offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. That accept is key, and we'll talk about this. We're going to break this down here in just a second. But first, because relationships are such a big deal, and forgiveness being a big part of that is something that we all struggle with, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me too, all right? Let's pray. God, uh, we love you, and we want to follow you. God, we want to be true to your word and true to who you've called us to be. Lord, today's message is difficult, and it's one many of us struggle with. Uh, So I just ask you, God, for your grace and your encouragement and your Holy Spirit to fill us and enable us to forgive, to live as you would have us to live. We love you. Amen. See, the reason why this choice is such a a problem is because I I believe we share this in common with, with each other. When we mess up, we want mercy. When someone messes up to us, we want judgment, right? Is that, is that not the way it is? When, like, like when, when I make a mistake, I want you to say, oh, he was trying, he, meant, he didn't mean that, you know, like, like I want you to bless his heart, yeah, but I want you to mean it. I don't want you to just bless his heart. I want you to like really mean that. But, but when somebody else, met, when somebody offends me, when somebody offends my wife, um, what, what? They did, they said what? Right? It's, it's not like we're not merciful then. Then we want judgment, Right? 
when it's when it's about when it's towards me, I want judgment. This this has been the storyline in the Bible and in humanity forever. It's always been the way this way that that's because that's how we're wired to be selfish creatures like that, right? And that's what Peter was. Peter had asked Jesus about this very thing. I don't know about you, but this is this whole when to forgive and how much to forgive and how often we're to forgive. All these things. I don't know if you wrestle with this. I think you do because that's who we are. That's who we are. When, how do we offer forgiveness to someone that doesn't really deserve it? That enough is enough. Like how many times should, are we supposed to, you know? Maybe, maybe it's a coworker that you have who never gets their work in on time, who leaves you hanging because you can't do your job without them doing their job, and so it affects you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a family member who you've given time and chance after chance after chance and they keep taking advantage of you disrespecting you disrespecting those you love how how do you handle that or or maybe it's an employee an employee who's late and you know when 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 we are late (laughs) we have a reason right and their reason is always the same old same old and it's just come on like how many times should we forgive that well, that's the question that Peter asked Jesus, because, because I know you wrestle with those things, and Peter did too. In Matthew 18, uh, verse 21 to 35, Peter asked Jesus this very question. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sins against me? Seven times? Like seven times? Like I'm forgive Do I have to do it seven times, Lord? Like how many times should I forgive them? Like they keep doing it. Like, do I, really, seven times? Because, you know, uh, Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. <laughs> seven times is just getting started. Then he told him the story to illustrate it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed, owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, that he be sold, along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt, which would not pay the debt, just pay a portion of it, right? But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. I'll pay it all back, I promise. And his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Wow. And the man went home and praised God. No, that's not how the story goes. The man, but the man left the king. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time, and I'll pay it all back. Please be patient with me. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until, he could, until the debt could be paid in full. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt you pleaded with, when you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? 
Then the, king, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus explains it. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Mm. That's uh, a hard word from Jesus. Very difficult. I, I think it's a fairly clear message. It's not, a, it's not one that you have to think, okay, what did he mean by that? It's pretty clear. But just in case, let me just kind of go back and kind of point out some, some real illustration that, that Jesus was trying to do. The king in the story represents God, okay? The king, the one who, the one who, was, uh, the, the one who first forgave the fortune, right? The person he forgave originally, the person who was forgiven the fortune is me and you. Right? Those, of who, those who are Christians, those who have surrendered to Jesus, who have received forgiveness for their sin. Right? That's, that's who that is in the story. The person who was choked and thrown into prison originally, that man represents those who have hurt us, who have offended us. That's who that is. So here's what Jesus wants us to see. He wants us to see that, that if we want to find complete healing, if we want to live the life that he has created us to live, that he's called us to live, that his Holy Spirit is trying to equip us to live, then, then this is what we have to understand, that there is no room for unforgiveness in the life of a follower of Christ. Let me say that again. There is no room for a disciple, of, in, a, in the life of a disciple, for unforgiveness. One more time, just to make sure it's crystal clear. There is no room for unforgiveness in the life of a Christ follower. No, no room for unforgiveness in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's a blanket statement, and it, can, it applies to everything and everyone. Yes, you're right. That's very difficult to imagine. Doesn't make it any less true. Doesn't make it any less true. What makes it believable, what makes it doable is when we get a, a good, uh, when we have God in the right perspective. Let's say it that way. When we have God in the right perspective of who He is, who God is, and what His forgiveness looks like, right? Perfect example for that, that idea is in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12, gives us what I believe is a great picture of a loving God, a loving Father in heaven. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, David wrote, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will, not accuse, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. Like, that's how far our mistakes are removed from us in God's eyes. I love that picture of God. Illustrations of God in the Bible are are one of a loving Father, not like the ones that oftentimes we had here on earth, but a perfectly loving Father. It's It's like the one of the prodigal son. You've seen artwork of the prodigal son before, I'm sure, and uh, the paintings that, that illustrate that, that capture that emotion of a son who's 
and if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, let me just give you the cliff notes. In their world, when, uh, when a man died, his estate was divided equally among his sons. Well, not equally, but, but, but among his sons. And in this story, uh, the younger son wanted his half of the inheritance early. <laughs> in other words, Dad, I'm not waiting for you to die. I want what I'm entitled to now. And Dad gave it to him, and he took it and wasted it. And at some point in his wasting of it, when it, once it was all gone, he woke up one day and said, oh my goodness, what have I done? And he went to return to his father. And it doesn't say how far along the path back to his father he went, but right away his father greeted him, hugged him, fell down in this picture, holding him, one that didn't deserve anything. As soon as we turn back to God, he's right there for us. So it's not like we have to walk, like I'm walking away from him, I'm getting away from God as fast as I can, the moment I turn around, he's right there. It's not like I've got to go back, I've got to climb back down the mountain that I've, I've wandered away from. No, it's, he's, right, he's right there at my heels the whole time. Just like that picture of the dead. As soon as he turned, there he is. Forgiveness, you see, the way this applies to forgiveness is forgiveness is an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. It's, forgiveness is choosing not to hold someone accountable for something that was done. It's releasing them from accountability. Deciding that I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm setting them free today. That's what forgiveness is. And the moment we do that, we find God right there. The moment we turn. We were hurt by people years ago. I I was offended by someone years ago. And for many of us, we, we still remember that. Right, you still remember it, so it so you, it still bothers you, and, and you may or may not have forgiven that person, right? But I'm saying if you have not, the moment you forgive that person, God is right there. The moment you decide to, okay, I'm, I'm going to let that go. The moment you do that, you will find peace from that. The moment you, God is right there waiting for you to turn that over to Him, right there. I, I've said it, and we've probably all said this. I'll never forgive them for what they did to me or for what they did to my wife or my child. I'll I'll never forgive them. I just want to tell you that, and we're going to talk about this, but the moment you do, God will be right there. He's waiting for us to to relinquish that control we're holding. You see, because the problem is in the story, just like the prodigal, because I've been forgiven that, that I... I forgive others. That's, that's what I do as a Christ follower. That's what the, the, the prodigal son had troubles with. He couldn't forgive his younger brother for doing what he had done. And that was, his whole, that was part of his problem. He had a bunch of problems. But, but that was one of his problems, that he couldn't forgive his brother for what all he had done to his dad. Ephesians 4.32 tells us, I skipped it, didn't I? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind to each other. Forgive each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, when we refuse to forgive, we, because we, we want somebody to be held responsible for that. They, that should not have happened. Somebody's got to pay, right? We want somebody to pay. It, we're wanting to be God. We're wanting to be God. We're, whereas if we're going to say, you know, I'm not forgiving them, I'm going to punish them by my unforgiveness, Right? I got a newsflash for you. Your unforgiveness is not punishing them at all. They went to a party last night. They could care less. 
that your unforgiveness is not bothering them in the slightest, most often. The only one that's bothering is you. So, but in our judging, we become judged. In our wanting them to be judged, we become the ones who actually are judged. That's plainly what Scripture teaches. Paul in Colossians 3.12 says, that Since God chose you, since God chose you to be holy people who He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Hey, guess what? You're not perfect. We're not perfect. Look at that person next to you and tell them, you're not perfect. <laughs> Go ahead, tell them. They think they are. Go ahead, you need to let them know they ain't perfect, right? They're not. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. See, it's not that I can forgive because I'm a Christian. I forgive because I'm a follower of Jesus. I just do. I just do. This isn't, a, this isn't easy. I'm not, I'm not making this sound like it's, I don't want to make this sound like it's easy, but it is that simple that, that because we follow Jesus, we forgive. One of the, my biggest frustrations when I came to Christ was the people around me were not. Like, and I got, at first, I was offended that they offended me. I was like, they can't just talk like that. Like, like they, if you go into public school these days, you'll be amazed at the language. And private schools too, I'm sure. That, that, you know, that, that you're like, what? Or they, like, when, when do they start talking like this? And like everybody, even the staff. And I'm like, what? And so that bothered me. That kind of thing bothered me when I became a Christian. And then I used to fuss at my wife a lot about it. And then it dawned on me one day that they're not Christians. Like, I can't expect people who aren't believers in Christ to act like they are, to, to be better, to be different. I'm the one that's changed. What I needed to learn to do was forgive. Like, not to hold that against them. Like, they haven't been changed. Like, a lot of times I think that's a part of our frustration is, is we hold one another up to a standard that, that we, can't, we can't expect them to live into. Because they're not there yet. Right? We need to be cautious of that, so be quick to forgive. And when I did, it made things a lot easier for me. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He forgave people that, guess what? Didn't ask for it, didn't want it, could care less. They looked to kill him, right? He forgave. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. He didn't say, now, okay, I died for your sins, now go have fun. No. He said, follow me. Do as I, live as I'm teaching you to live. Forgive. He saved us to give us life, a freedom, not so that we would be bound with expectations upon others. I don't know if you saw this in the news here in the, recently, but uh, Botham Jean, I don't know if you recognize the name or not, but his brother, uh, I can't remember his brother's name, uh, Botham Jean was the man who was killed, I believe, uh, by the policeman, the policewoman who came into his apartment and killed him. I believe his, he was Botham. Um, anyway, his brother, the day the police officer who was found guilty was sentenced, his brother got on the stand at her sentencing, right? 
She was being, she'd just been found guilty. He got up on the stand. He was one of the first ones to get on the stand, and he forgave her. I was like, what? Like, this isn't six months later or a year later or anything else while he cooled off. This was in the heat of it all. He stood up there on the, or he sat on the witness stand and said, I forgive you. What you need is peace. And Christ is the only place you're going to find that. I was like, what? This man is amazing. It was, it was unbelievable. It was truly unbelievable that someone could be that gracious in the moment. That's what forgiveness is all about. We all need it. People will tell you that they don't need Jesus, but what they need is forgiveness, and he's the only way to find it. We have found him. Those who have found, if you're here today and you're a Christian, then, then you need to be offering that same forgiveness to others. That same forgiveness you need to offer to others. A couple of uh, sidebars here real quick. First one, forgiveness, I need to make sure we understand this. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You can't control what you forget. If so, you would have known right where your keys were today. Your wallet, the dog's leash, all of that stuff you would never have to search for. If you, but the remote control, oh my Lord, if I could control, if I could remember never to forget where I put the remote, right? Like we never lose that stuff if forgiveness or forgetting was something we could control, but you can't control forgetting. All you can control is whether or not to choose to hold, them, hold people responsible for it. Let God work out the, what you forget and how you remember it, right? But forgive. Forgive. Secondly, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I've been guilty of this, and I, I didn't realize I was guilty of it until this week, and then I, I got to thinking more and more about it, and I've, I'm convinced here for this, that, that forgiveness is not a feeling. In other words, that, that we oftentimes, we want to, I've said it, you've said it, you need to forgive yourself, right? We've used that, that phrase before. There ain't no such thing. I, and I've looked in the Bible for this idea of how do you forgive yourself? Like, how, like there's, it's not there. I think what, really what we're talking about when we say we need to forgive ourselves, and, and, and you may feel like, I just need to forgive, like that's my biggest struggle. I can forgive other people, but I can't forgive myself. You've said that, I've said that. It's baloney, right? Because what we're feeling is guilt. <laughs> that's often one thing we're feeling. One of them is guilt, and guilt is a good thing. If you offended someone, then you should need to f- forgiveness, right? If you've hurt someone, you should feel bad. That's, that's a healthy thing. If you've done the wrong thing, you should feel remorse. But forgiveness, you can't forgive yourself because if I offend Steve, Steve can forgive me. If I offend God, God can forgive me. But I, how am I, where am I going to fit into it? Like, I don't forgive myself for hurting Steve. Like, that makes no sense. I did it on purpose. I was selfish. Right? I was inconsiderate. I was prideful. I, I don't forgive myself for being prideful. That's, that's dumb. That just doesn't make any sense. That's, a, that's offense to God to be prideful. That's where I need forgiveness. So, so one time, sometimes for that forgiving yourself kind of thinking is, is guilt. The second time, it's, it's the other way, it's not understanding what forgiveness is from God, what he has forgiven us for. You know, we think of ourselves as being pretty good people, right? I mean, y'all are, y'all are, y'all are all right. Y'all, are, y'all aren't that bad, right? So, so what do you, you don't, all you need to do is forgive yourself, and then you'll be okay, right? No, you're, you are that bad. <laughs> you, we think we're not that bad, but you are. Like, your sin is offensive. And you may think, well, I don't make big sins. Well, they're still to God, they're big. So big that his son had to die for you. That's big. Even though you're, you're okay. 
right? But God says, no, no, you ain't. You're not that okay. Otherwise, my son wouldn't have died for you. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's not something you have to feel right about. It's a fact. It's a fact that God forgives and that you can forgive someone else. It's a choice. It's a deliberate intent to forgive someone. It's not a feeling. Not a feeling at all. The problem with not forgiving, though, getting back on track here, the problem with not forgiving is that we run a risk, and you've already heard it in some of these passages that we've read, this passage of Scripture that we've read, and that simply is that the un- unforgiving quickly become the unforgiven. Yep, that's what the Scripture said. The unforgiving become the unforgiven. We pray it all the time, right? The Lord's Prayer. Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you say it. Forgive us our debts as, as we forgive our debtors, right? Just as we forgive our debtors, forgive us our debts. Well, if we're not forgiving, what does that mean? You know, we, it's that thing we've said. I'll never forgive them for what they did. I'll never forgive her. And I know you're telling me now, you don't understand what they did to my spouse. You don't understand what they did to my dad or, or my child. Or You don't understand. You're right, I don't. But I know that we don't want to forgive. That we want someone to be held responsible. Our hearts get hard, though, when we refuse to forgive. That's what mercy is all about. It's about giving people what they don't deserve, not what they do deserve. It's giving people what they don't deserve. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And if we choose not to forgive... Just know that there are consequences to that. There are consequences to not forgiving. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, I get it that it's a hard teaching, and I get it that you don't even like me saying it, but your issue is with Jesus. He's the one that said this. We forgive. If you follow him, you forgive. That's why I think the easiest approach to this, just like what I learned with my, my family and my coworkers and everybody else, is just forgive everybody. Forgive every, Just wake up in the morning and decide, today I'm forgiving everyone who offends me. Just start your day that way. Because it's, you know, like, like you've experienced that, right? If you just start something in the early, if you just kind of say it out loud, like for that day, okay, I can do it because I know I'm just... This is the attitude I'm taking for the day. The B attitude I'm taking for the day is to forgive anybody for anything. You can do whatever you want. I know when I was at one church, they had this love fund. And the people in the trustees, you, know, you trustees are always a head case. But, but the trustees were always worried about these people taking advantage of the church and taking money that they didn't deserve. Like, the love fund, to give money away is giving money away, I thought. I did. And so I said, you know what, I'm not going to be responsible for that. If somebody asks, we're going to give it to them. And... Period. When it's all gone, when it's gone, it's gone. But feeling like people are taking advantage of me, I'm done with that. Like they're not going to take advantage of me because I'm going to hold it out. Take it if you need it, right? That forgiveness is the same way. Take it if you need it. Like, like I'm offering it regardless of whether you feel like you need to be forgiven or not. If you, if you hurt me, offend me, hurt my wife, offend my wife, then you're forgiven. 
You're forgiven. I'm going to choose that. That's what Jesus wants us to do, just to, to choose ahead of time that, to forgive. Give it to everybody. Don't let anything hold you back from the life that God has created for you. As he said in, as Jesus said in Mark 11, and when, st- when you stand praying, don't, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. And this leads us to the second part of the, this choice, this healing choice that we're talking about today, is to make amends for the harms that I've done to others. This is the one that, so, so you've, you've asked God to forgive you, right? And, and you want to seek because you offended, you hurt someone. You've done something to, and you need to make amends. You feel like you want to make amends. You feel like you should make amends. For some of us now, this could be as easy as, I'm sorry. Can you say, say that with me? Everybody say that with me. I'm sorry. You, okay. So see, it's simply, sometimes it's just as simple as that. To tell someone, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And they could say, you know what? They'll lie. They'll, they'll say, you know what? It's fine. It was no big deal. You know, because we do that. We're generous, right? We want to, like, it's okay. Really, it's okay. Even though we're, it's been bothering us ever since, right? <laughs> it's the way we are. But, but that's, it may be that simple. For some of us, it may take some time to rebuild trust, right? Because they can't just... So, so it's been a while. I've been doing this over and over and over again. So look, that whole late for work thing. I want you to forgive me. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm going to have to start coming to work on time, right? I'm going to have to stop doing that thing that is wrong to, in order to, be, to experience that forgiveness. But to make amends may be to do it right, to do what I know I'm supposed to do. That may be the making amends that you need to make to start living the life that you know that God has called you to. The reason this bothered me, <clears throat> when I became a Christian, I, I, I became consumed with this thought that some of the offenses that I made, now, I wasn't always a preacher, let me just say. I offended some people in my life, most of them intentionally. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I did, I made mistakes, and sometimes I willfully did things that would hurt people. And when I became a Christian, I, 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 this idea of forgi- being of unforgiveness, right, this began to eat at me. Because the thought came into my head, and I believe it's, it's biblical here, that, and, that there, someone, I've offended someone, and their inability to forgive me for what I've done would cause them to not have a whole relationship with God. Did you hear that? Something I've done has created unforgiveness in their life, and that's creating a, a barrier in their relationship with Christ. And when I came to Christ, I was like, I know what that's like to carry a burden, right? I know what that is, and I don't want anybody carrying my burden, something I've done. I want people to be set free from that. I don't want, any, I don't want to be the cause of anyone's relationship with Christ not being what it should be. I don't want to be the cause. I've shared with you the story of, of uh, when I was a kid, I... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, no other way to say it, but when this is being recorded, so it's always kind of weird to say this on a recording for sure. But when I was a kid, I uh, broke into a church and vandalized it. Um, I wasn't alone, but I certainly did that. And when I, became a, when I gave my life to Christ, I mean, I loved the church, right? I mean, I loved the church. And I couldn't believe I'd done that. 
And then I got to thinking, you know, I'm from Mississippi, and, and things in Mississippi are a little different than they are in Maryland. That may come as a shock to you, but, but God's closer down there. And <laughs> No, but seriously. But what, uh, what bothered me was that someone's ability to unforgive, to not forgive me for that, would be a, would be a problem with their relationship with Christ. So I wrote him a letter. I wrote the church a letter. I wrote the pastor there a letter and, and uh, explained to him, not, not to like, justify myself because there was no justification for it, but, but just to explain who I was and, and where I was in my walk with Christ and, and just to say I'm sorry, right? It sent him some money to pay restitution, right, to, to hopefully pay for part of my mistake, if not all of it, I don't know. So they wrote a letter back uh, about a month later, I guess. And they, um, they listed the, the people who had been praying for me. I mean, they didn't know it was me, but they, they told me that they'd been praying for me this whole time. And that would have been 20 years, I guess, a long time. Um, I was blown away by that. I really was. I, was I, I mean, I should have expected it because they loved Jesus, and, right? They should have been quick to forgive, right? We should be quick to forgive. But, but I really was overwhelmed when I thought about people praying for me, not knowing who I was, and um, that, that I would have known that had I not ever sought to restore, to make amends. You see, I don't want you to misunderstand, because I didn't, it wasn't about me getting a letter from them and them saying, oh yeah, we forgave you a long time ago. That's not the, my finding forgiveness was not it. I'd already been forgiven. God, I'd confessed it to God, I'd asked Him to forgive me, and He had. Why we make amends, you see, is, is so we break down the walls for the, the one we've hurt. It's for them. We make amends not to make ourselves feel better. It's so we can, so that other person is, has an easier way to forgive us. You see what I mean? Like, like they can forgive then. They can find forgiveness because we don't want anything that we might have done to cause a problem with someone with God, right? So we make amends so that their path to God is made more clean. We make, we, that's why we make amends. It's about them. It's not about me. That's why we do it. Because we don't want to get in the way of what God is trying to do in their life. This quote is pretty powerful. But first, I was going to jump ahead to something. There's a problem with making amends. You can't always make amends. Because I know that's what we want to do. When we come to Christ, I mean, you're just like me. that I just want to, I just want to go make things right. I just want to fix things. There's some things you can't fix. Sometimes you can't make amends. There's sometimes you should not make amends. Let me say that again. There are some situations where you should not seek to make amends. For instance, if you have an addiction and your issue you need to resolve is with someone who's in active addictions and you're in recovery, don't go back to that. Don't go back into that life until you are really, really, really healthy because you're just going to get sucked right back into it. How many of us have gotten three-fourths of the way out of something and looked back at it, and we get fall right back in, right? Right? Anybody else struggle with something? You get almost you get you, you hadn't wrestled with it for three weeks, and then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh man, I'm right back where I started, right? right. Amen. Don't don't do that. Otherwise, if if your issue is with a spouse, an ex-spouse, and they're remarried or you're remarried, then don't go back to that to work things out. No. You've moved, you've, you've gone, they've, they've moved on. You need to ask for forgiveness from God and leave it at that. Don't do that. 
So how do you know when I should and when I shouldn't? Pray. Pray. Ask God. Ask your pastor. Ask a Christian mentor. Ask your small group to help you figure it out. Because you obviously have some things to work out, right? And you need help working them out. Go to a Christian counselor. There are all kinds of resources you can go to. Find a, a, just a, a mature disciple of Christ to speak into your life. Tell them your situation and ask them what you should do. Ask them for guidance because you need to work some things out, not by yourself. As long as we're unable to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the forgiven, to the unforgiven. We give them rent space, rent-free space in our minds. Emotional shackles in our heart and the right to torment us in the small hours of the night. You ever experienced that? No, I have. That we're bound to that person that we can't forgive. We can't, we, we, we're not free. And that's what Christ came for us to be free. He doesn't want us bound to that person. The way to sever that, the way to cut it, is forgive. It's a choice, a willful choice. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the unexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. (laughs) You know, that's what it means to be a Christian, to forgive. To forgive because you've been forgiven. That you can do this. That you, that we, you do this as a follower of Christ. Because that's what you do when you follow Jesus. You forgive. So how do you, how do you start this? How do you do this? You nail it to the cross is what we say. Simply nailing it to the, like, metaphorically or whatever, nailing, sometimes really nailing it to the cross. You may write it on a piece of paper and nail it to the cross out there on the street. Like, like literally leave it with Jesus. That's what he died for. Everything, all the sins of yours, all the sins that have been made against you, leave it with him. Let him deal with it. Nail it to the cross. Decide that today in my pew, today at the altar, tomorrow I'm going to go in the woods, whatever you need to do to leave it with Jesus so that it's no, it, you can get past it and leave it there. Leave it there. Don't nail it to the cross and then go tell somebody, you know what I did? No, like leave it there. Leave it alone. Stop allowing it to have space in your heart. Leave it. Don't keep digging it up. I'm not saying don't make it, it's not part of your story, but I'm saying don't let it consume you. Nail it to the cross. Give it to Jesus. And make it a proclamation that, that that's his now. It's no longer mine. When can you do that? Well, now. Today. Start, start every day. Today and every day, I'm, I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to carry that stuff. I'm not carrying it anymore. Begin every day of your life that way. From here on, if we start every day with an attitude of forgiveness, we'd be well ahead of where Christ wants us to be. I know it's not easy. I, don't, I, I know it's not easy. But it's still something he calls us to. And so I want to pray for you and with you. Because this is uh, a big step for us to take. And these, 
these rugrats may come running back in here, but we're going to keep praying if they do. We want to know that we've been obedient to your call, God. We understand that it's not about it's not about how we feel about it, but it's about making the deliberate choice that every time this issue comes into comes up, we're going to forgive and we're going to continue to forgive until you have helped us to deal with it. The person, the situation, the people. Help us, Lord. We need your spirit to to enable this in us. God, as a church, we lift to you the the lost and the, the spiritually seeking. God, people who are hungry for you, that are seeking clarity for their lives. But that's not all, Lord. We need clarity here. There are people sitting in this room that want clarity for their life, that for their next step. God, we need that. As a congregation, Lord, we pray for the poor, that they would have all they need. Lord, knowing that what they truly need is peace. God, there are people here sitting in these pews today who need peace. People sitting right here who need to experience your peace. God, as a church, we lift up people with addictions and their families. The struggle that that is, that those who... Those who are fighting the temptations, God, and those who just willfully give in to it, who don't even who don't even bother to fight because they see it as just the way things are, God. We want we ask for hope for them and for their families, God. But there are people in this room that need hope for tomorrow who are facing difficulties with their doctors or with their work, their families. God, give them hope. Let them know that that hope only comes from you. And as a church, Lord, we lift our mission to you to follow the Spirit, your Spirit, God, into ministry in our community because you have given your church a purpose, and that is to be the hands and feet of Christ right here in our community, Lord. We thank you for that. There are people in this room, though, God, that want purpose for themselves, that they've entered into a time of a season of life where they're transitioning and they're not sure what, what you're wanting from them, God. I ask you to give them a clear understanding of your purpose in their life what you want from for them, God, how you have gifted them, what to shape them, give them a heart, abilities, and a personality and experiences, God. How do you want to use that for your glory that you've given them a purpose? God, we thank you for all you are and all you give. We love you, Lord. We praise you today. Amen.